as God intended. Let's go. Welcome to Looking for Healing Talk Radio, where pharmaceuticals are not medicine, but love always is. With the 24-7, 365 talk radio signal heard worldwide, America Out Loud Talk Radio is now heard in your car, home or office, on your smartphones, tablets, or any device. The entire platform has been built from the ground up with great thought and enthusiasm and a vision that stretches far into the future. Welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Jana Schmidt, naturopath and herbalist. I have a wonderful show for you today, but first I want to encourage you, as I always do, that no matter what your situation, a strong mind and body are powerful resources. I'm here to help equip and encourage you with the health tools that create and maintain strong minds and strong bodies to keep you grounded and flourishing in this hectic, crazy world. Each week, I'll share a new health tip or some information with you, something you can utilize to build strong and healthy lifestyles, tips that are practical and easy to implement. So today, I'm actually going to start a series with you called What the Bible Says About Healthy Living. You'll have to excuse me. My voice is a little scratchy uh, this week as last weekend I was... Um, at the Reawaken Tour in Miami, and it was lovely. It was wonderful. I got to meet so many of you. I was just honored, but I did talk quite a bit, sharing information and learning about um, people's lives. It was it was really lovely. So if you were there, thank you for, for coming up and speaking to me. It was wonderful to meet you. And if you streamed it, thank you as well. And I love everyone's emails. Thank you so much for all the encouragement and your health stories. I'm so encouraged by the testimonies of health and healing. So let's go ahead and get right to it. It's time to empower you with today's health information. And uh, no special guest today, just you got me. Uh, Here we go. After all, we know that knowledge is power. So right into it, what the Bible says about healthy living. Well, it's, it's really a sad realization that there is so much sickness in our world today. And honestly, the average Christian is as sick as the rest of the world. It shouldn't be like that. Oh, and so is our average American doctor is also very ill. But we have God's divine instructions to help us live our best and healthiest lives. But first, let's examine why we even experience illness. Now, this is my opinion and also um, quite a bit from Dr. Rex Russell, MD. He actually wrote a book called What the Bible Says About Healthy Living and some principles that can help your, you know, change your, your health, improve your health. I'm going to refer to this book and many of the studies he did and Um, his opinions throughout the series, because I really, really appreciate everything that he, uh, he has written on this. And he has since passed away, but this book is, it's incredible. What the Bible says about healthy living, Dr. Rex Russell. So why, why do we experience illness? Well, number one, we age and our bodies change and become less strong. 
Sometimes things happen like that. It's just a natural progression of life. But we also, number two, we live in a fallen world. The world is flawed. Our food, environment, it's not as it was originally intended for us. Number three, sometimes we experience setbacks for God's purpose and glory. I'll give just one example, and that's Paul's blindness. He was blinded in order to get his attention, right? And to see the miraculous healing powers of Jesus. Number four, deliberate disobedience. We sometimes do things that we know aren't good for us. So in my opinion, that's considered deliberate disobedience. If we know it's not good for us and we do it anyway, we kind of have to live with those consequences. Now, unknowing also, we also can ingest or experience things we don't know are bad for us until we're already hurt. So many actions that we take can hurt our health because we simply just don't know the facts. So we actually have a responsibility to gain wisdom and to share that wisdom with others and our families, especially I feel as parents, as a mom, I have a responsibility to get as much information as I possibly can to pass on to my children so they can make wise decisions. So consider the verse Hosea 4, 6, my people perish for lack of knowledge. My goodness, this verse refers to lacking knowledge, but not just lacking knowledge, but also actively rejecting that knowledge. We should not make that same mistake. Actively seek knowledge and use it. Here's kind of a funny example. It's great to know that eating candy bars for breakfast will not be great for us and probably make us sick. But if we don't heed that, it does us no good and can potentially do us harm. So it's true. We, we live in a fallen world and diseases fill our lives every day. But we do have God's instruction. Think back um, in Genesis. I mean, when Genesis 3 happened, we fell and the earth fell with us producing all sorts of harmful influences that were not in God's grand design. But the Lord immediately set about instituting his plan for redemption. Eventually, it would culminate into God sending his son and the blood of Jesus being shed as a sacrifice for our sins. Yet, even prior to that new creation, God gave his people the law to show them their need. That is the law referred to in Exodus 15. Now, those commands include dozens of ways to live morally, spiritually, in good health. The law promised that God's people would suffer none of these diseases if they could follow those ways, those laws. Now, we'll point out that in the Old Testament, it was considered sinful in nature not to follow these laws. That's why they're called laws. But now with Jesus coming, he has taken away that as being a sin. But I want to point out that even though it's no longer sinful in nature, it's still wise, sage advice from the very one who designed us. We're going to talk a little bit about some of those laws or advice. I, I just would like to encourage you to take another look at the the things mentioned in the Old Testament for our health, not for spiritual purposes of salvation or sanctification or for the purpose of ceremonial purity, but rather to look at these for the purpose of glorifying God through acknowledging his desire and design for our health.
I'd like to discuss three principles that can help with a multitude of otherwise confusing decisions about health and diet. It can be simplified and you'll be healthier for it. The three principles are one, eat substances God created for food. Avoid what was not designed for food. Sounds pretty simple, but it's actually kind of complicated in today's world. I'm encouraging you to eat closer to what God made as much as possible the way they were created before they're changed into, well, something that man thought or people think is better, better than the original. Natural, clean, organic, fresh, non-GMO, unprocessed, unrefined. Those are some just some suggestions. 1 Timothy uh, 4, 4 through 5, everything created by God is good. And in Genesis 1, 12, on the third day of creation, God com- commanded the earth to bring forth living plants bearing seed and fruit with seeds. And these plants were given to man for food. And I really love that one, actually. (laughs) Suggestion number two is, as much as possible, eat foods as they were created. Like I said, before they're changed or converted to something that humans think is better. Three, avoid food addictions. Don't let your food or drink become controlling, or in other words, become your God. So we're going to go over several of these principles in detail. So one thing I want to mention um, when we talk about what's created for food for us is God said that we shouldn't eat the blood of an animal. I'm going to talk about that a little bit first. In Genesis 7, the Bible first makes the distinction between clean and unclean animals. And in preparation for the great flood, God told Noah, take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, male and its mate and to every kind of unclean animal, male and its mate. And after the flood, however, God told Noah that the blood of even clean animals was now forbidden. And it's told for us not to eat the lifeblood of the meat. And this is in Genesis, uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. There's several places in the Bible that tells us not to do that. So why, why did God forbid the consumption of blood? I mean, it doesn't sound appetizing, but let's look into it. So some possible, a possible answer is that the blood that courses through the veins of an animal is a parent symbol of life. Another is that in sacrificial law, animal blood was provided by God for the atonement of human sin. That's in Leviticus 17, 11. Therefore, respect for life, for the God giver of life, And the awful penalty for sin are probably reflected in this prohibition of blood. Now, another answer, I mean, that doesn't exhaust all the possible explanations, but scientists have long known that blood carries infections and toxins that circulate in an animal's body. If people eat the animal blood, they are needlessly exposing themselves to infections and toxins. So I think that this, uh, this prohibition has more than one reason. One example, in Africa, some tribes require the consumption of large amounts of blood uh, in coming-of-age ceremonies. Among such tribes, chronic diseases normally associated with elderly are way more common in these young people, and their lifespans are significantly reduced 
in comparison to those who don't do this. That's just one example. When God commanded that the Israelites abstain from this blood, it was not just an arbitrary law. In effect, God was sparing the Israelites disease and lower life expectancies that come from eating a blood that's been contaminated from an animal. Now, along those same lines, there are several verses that say not to eat the fat. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit because there are some translation. Um, if you look deeper, there there are provisions for oils, and, that, and that's a type of fat. But if you look at um, in the book of Levit- Leviticus, where God said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, do not eat of the fat of cattle, sheep, or goats. 7 23. Now, the fat on cattle, sheep, and goats are actually the hardest fat. And now we now know medical research actually even shows us that the fat of is the tissue in which the body stores energy. And when a meal is missed, the body breaks down the fat and uses the fat for fuel for energy. Unfortunately, animal fat is also a storage place for toxins and parasites. Now, these toxins are found in the fat of animals that we actually eat. So an example that the toxins that I'm I'm thinking about, like DDT, insecticides, herbicides, antibiotics, hormones that have been added to the animal's feed, um, are just some various things that um, animals have ingested and get stored in their fat. One really um, distinct story I remember reading about in 1979, a hormone called DES was removed from the market because researchers learned that this substance caused cancer in the cervix of daughters of women who had received the drug while they were pregnant to prevent miscarriage. They found that the stockyards throughout the United States injected beef cattle with large amounts of DES because it enabled the animals to gain weight rapidly. And it did, but the hormone was stored in the animal's fat tissues. And scientists also discovered that the other hormones added to the food help lead to producing cancer. And many of these hormones are found in highest concentration in the fat that covers the meats. And then we eat those and it affects our hormones. Now, again, I said hard fat. This is the firmest at room temperature, and it is the most saturated and has the most toxic effects to the human body. The increased consumption of hard fats in our day has really been accompanied with the increase of vascular disease, uh, cancers, uh, colon issues, prostate issues, along with many other chronic diseases. So is all fat bad? No, in a word, <laughs> no. So um, that might have been an easy conclusion, um, but the Bible doesn't say that all fat is bad. For example, Isaiah, in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things. So in that passage, It's best translated, the word for fat is actually liquid oil. And this is from plants. So this includes olive oil. And in the Bible, olive oil and olive trees are very important symbol of blessings. Not only is it a symbol for blessing, it is a valuable commodity and has been for thousands of years. 
I should note that lots of research has been done on people who consume olive oil, avocado oil, and take the Greek people, for example, who consume large amounts of olives, olive oils, they had extremely low, they have extremely low incidence of hardening of the arteries. Further research shows that olive oil uh, is digested like a complex carbohydrate that has healthy fatty acids, in particular for vascular disease such as hardening of the arteries. Definitely thankful that God knows our makeup so intimately that he provided just the right kind of fat for his people even so many hundreds of years ago. So friends, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back in just a moment and continue our conversation on what the Bible says about healthy living. I want to remind you that Looking for Healing Talk Radio is sponsored by the Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing students just like you. The best way to be free is to be healthy. Learn how at energetichealthinstitute.org. You'll learn holistic nutrition, fasting, detoxification, the art of cellular healing, and so much more. You can join the EHI family and make tomorrow amazing. That's energetichealthinstitute.org. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to Looking for Healing Talk Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Jana Schmidt, naturopath and herbalist. I would like to remind you to listen to Looking for Healing Talk Radio at 11 a.m. Monday through Friday. Monday with the amazing Dr. Brian Artis as your host. Tuesday with the lovely Nicola Burnett as your host. Wednesday with the incredible Dr. Henry Ely as your host. And Thursday, you got me, Dr. Jana Schmidt as your host. And on Friday at 11 a.m., we will all come together to discuss our shows, current health topics, and read questions from you and discuss them as well. To submit questions for us to discuss on Friday Talk Show, go to americaoutloud.com under shows. You'll see Looking for Healing, and there you can submit health questions for us to discuss. Keep the questions coming. They are amazing. And I want to also remind you that 
Uh, you can find out more about our shows and get the latest podcasts if you go to the menu bar at America Out Loud under our shows and schedule, and then you will be in the know. We're going to continue our discussion about what the Bible says about healthy living. We were talking about some principles that can help us live a healthier life, and one is to eat things created for that God created for food and avoid others. Eat things as they were created before they get changed, processed, chemical added, um, and avoid addictions. And so we're going to talk about those first two principles a little bit more in depth about our food. And it's really, it's really cool that our loving creator has left us an instruction book that wonderfully matches de- the design of his creations. So the primary message in both the Old and New Testament is salvation, and it comes through the blood of the sacrifice of the Messiah, not through our eating habits. Nevertheless, a large portion of scripture focuses on ordinance statues that show us how to live carefully and how to live well in the earth. Many of these passages pertain to subjects such as economics, law, government, interpersonal relationships, nutrition, and health. Now, the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins does not cancel the wisdom in the other teachings. As Paul said, they are still profitable. Now, this is not about miraculous intervention as an answer to prayer, which God can definitely do whenever he chooses, but more to apply wisdom for health and wholeness in your life. Uh, We're going to look at both biblical and scientific laws that reveal how to recover and maintain health. And it's been noted that the laws of science are the thoughts of God. Florence Nightingale once said that, and, and I agree. You'll see that the thoughts of our Creator are unparalleled, unparalleled in wisdom for our health. So again, we're going to re- just cover a little bit principle one and two and talk a little bit more about clean and unclean foods. Much of the wisdom in the divine des- design for meats was confirmed by a 1953 study uh, this is with David David Mocked of Johns Hopkins University, and he was reporting on the toxic effect of different animals, flesh, and a controlled growth culture. It's actually really fascinating, and I, I refer to it and quote it often. Now, a substance was classified as toxic if it showed the culture's growth rate below 75%, and I'm going to give you some examples. In each case, the blood of all the animals that Dr. Mocked tested showed up more toxic than the flesh, which that goes back to what we were talking about, the blood. Now, the things I'm, I'm going to read to you from, from the findings, but they're, they're based on Dr. Mock's study, and his results show that the lower growth percentage of the culture, the more toxic the flesh of the animal So note that the flesh of the animals and fish given to us by God for food are all considered non-toxic. So that which God said is clean, tested clean. But all the forbidden animals or the unclean lie in the toxic range. It's pretty amazing, really. So if any number is above 75%, it's considered clean or non-toxic. 
So I'm going to read to you some of these. And the differences between clean and unclean animals appear to be related to their primary food store source, like what they eat, and their digestive systems, like scavengers that eat anything that, you know, we would never consider eating. They're not considered food for us, and they show up as really toxic. And then the animals that are described as clean and good for food, primarily just grasses and grains. So I thought that was really, um, really interesting. Now I'm going to remind you before I start to read these that under our new covenant, these are no longer a sin to eat, but the facts remain that they are still potentially harmful to our health. So here are the quadrupeds that were studied. These are four-footed. So under the clean cloven hoof and cud chewing, calf, deer, goat, ox, and sheep all turned up clean. Now remember, above 75% is considered clean. Calf was 82, deer was 98, goat was 90, ox was 91, and sheep was 94%, all above 75%. And God said those were clean. So in the unclean category, black bear, 59%, camel, 41%, Cat, 62%. Guinea pig, 46%. It goes on. Uh, dog, 62%. Fox, 58%. Hamster, 46%. Horse, 39%. Possum, 53%. Rabbit, 49%. Rat, 50%. Rhinoceros, 60%. Squirrel, 43%. Pig, 54%. So those are all considered unclean, and they all turned up as toxic. They were below 75%. And we move on to birds in the clean category were goose, chicken, duck, pigeon, quail, and turkey. There are a few others too, but those are the main ones. And those were all above 83%. And I thought that was pretty awesome. So the highest one was duck at 98%. And in the unclean category, there were bat, crow, eagle, falcon, hawk, heron, ibis, Nighthawk, osprey, ostrich, owl, pelican, raven, sparrow, seagull, vulture, buzzard, and these some of these are as low as like thirty six percent between forty six oh between an owl was sixty two and then the others ranged between that and thirty six percent. So those were all considered toxic. So let's talk about fish. Okay, so this is a touchy subject because it clearly says that you can eat in the Bible says you should eat that which has fins and scales. And that has been debatable with some of my friends. So this it's this isn't debatable. The the toxic toxic testing is not debatable. And the debate was shrimp have uh, scales. I'm like, no, they don't have scales. So um, that was a, that was our debate. Does shrimp count? And um, sadly, it's it's unclean, delicious but unclean. So under fish, that with scales and fins, both. Uh, there's a huge long list. I highly recommend you look at this study by Dr. Mock. Um, bass, bluefish, cod, flounder. It goes on and on, and these are all high. You know. The lowest, let's see, they start at like 81% and go all the way up to 100% in rating. And remember, anything above 75 is clean. Mullet, salmon, goes on and on. Tuna. Now, 
I will take a side note and say these are considered clean and unclean when they've been in a good environment because the environment can mess up even a clean animal. So, for example, if, um, if one of these fish, say salmon, is farm-raised and fed genetically modified corn its whole life, and in waters where there's maybe runoff from Roundup, that is not going to be a good fish to eat. So I am talking about this toxicology report was in situations where the animals have been raised in a clean environment. So the unclean fish without scales or fins, catfish, clams, crabs, eel, lobster, sorry to say that too, octopus, <clears throat> oysters, porcupine fish, puffer fish, skate, scallops, shark, shrimp, squid, stingray, toadfish. And these are all between 60 and 30%, obviously, in the toxic range. So I will make a note about catfish. I don't know if anybody's been near the water or lives near the water, but in, an, in a time where there's been a poisoning or um, an algae bloom or something in a river or ocean, well, I'll, I'll say river for catfish, the catfish are the first to die. So they absorb these toxins through their smooth skin and they're actually helping to clean the waters. Uh, same with the shellfish. They are filters. They're little filters for the, uh, for the waters, for the rivers, for the ocean, and they help take out the toxins. And so I really appreciate them. Um, as tasty as they are, I don't think uh, we should be eating them. So there's that. Um, and one also talk about insects. There was some talk about insects um, in the Bible, like what's clean, what's unclean, and it was really only a very small, small amount of insects that God considered clean. Winged hopping, four legs, grasshopper, and locusts. So the others are considered unclean. So a, there's a big push about crickets and whether crickets actually fall in that category of clean or unclean, because I've heard a big media push, which always, you know, sends up a red flag, but big media push for, oh, crickets, this is going to be our protein replacement. But the more research I do on crickets as a protein source, the less I like it. There's all kinds of parasites that crickets um, contain and their, their outer shell is hard for our bodies to digest. It's hard for, hard on our, on our system. So I'm, I'm not convinced that crickets are in there, but um, we do know about um, John the Baptist eating locusts, and that was God-approved. So let's review a little bit about what's clean and unclean, and maybe go into a little bit more of why they are clean or unclean as far as our health goes. Not just, I mean, obviously because God said it, but it's also proven in science. So clean birds, for instance, the ones that you can eat all have a gizzard, which permits the bird to process its food more thoroughly. thought that was pretty interesting. And as far as water animals go, um, they m many of the ones that are unclean, like um, catfish, shark, shellfish, they're filters, as we said, and they clean up the pollution of the oceans and stored in their bodies. One prime example is oysters thrive downstream from sewage outlets. That was pretty gross. This is why quite often people that 
eat raw oysters have a story to tell of when they got sick from eating those oysters. And with land animals, I thought I would mention that all clean animals are considered what's called a ruminant. And a ruminant means that they have four stomachs. This ensures that um, a much more thorough process of food than possible with just one stomach and less pollutants are stored in the flesh. Ruminants are not subject to flesh worms either. So these uh, can be acquired from eating uh, unclean animals, the flesh worms, whereas the ruminants uh, are not subject to that. And to review with the insects, uh, locusts and grasshoppers, and I think katydids are considered in the locust family as well. So, and that's pretty much it. So I, I wanted to read um, an excerpt from the book, uh, What the Bible Says About Healthy Living, that I found very... Um, very telling. So this is the title of this particular excerpt is called The Perils of Pork. And and for those of you who like to eat it, just just use this as information. It's it's just for your health. And yeah, I know it probably tastes really good, but I just you I just feel like you should know this. Um, people that come to me if they're dealing with any sort of health issue, I remind them that pork is hard on a system. And so perhaps they should not eat it while they're healing. But um, I'm not saying don't eat it, but I am saying be aware of what you're eating and what it does to your body. So here's this, uh, this excerpt. Jesus, as the one born under the law, Galatians 4.4, did not eat pork. One time he used pigs as a dumping ground for demons, evicting demons and destroying the swine. That was in Matthew 8. This event occurred just weeks after healing various diseases. One of the reasons God's rule forbidding pork is that the digestive system of a pig is completely different from that of, say, a cow. It's similar to ours, actually, in the stomach uh, acidity. Also, pigs are gluttonous, never knowing when to stop eating or what. They don't really care what they eat. Their stomach acids become diluted because of the volume of food, allowing all kinds of vermin to pass through, pass through this protective barrier of the stomach. Parasites, bacteria, viruses, toxins can pass into the pig's flesh because of overeating. These toxins and infectious agents can be passed on to humans when they eat the pig's flesh, regardless of how you cook it. So, there were some other things I found very interesting, um, and this might be a little more detailed, but there was a woman named Jane Cahill, and she examined... Okay. Stay with me here. She examined the toilets of Jewish households in Jerusalem, finding no parasites, no infective agents, um, just traces of fruits and vegetables that some of the animals would have eaten. And these are people who kept very strict eating rules in their home. A similar study about Egyptians revealed eggs from trichinella, wireworm, tapeworms, all found and pork in their particular deposits. So, and then all of these can cause chronic diseases or be part of it. So here's another example of the illustration of the perils of pork. At one time, no cases of trichinosis had been reported in the country of Bolivia for several years. 
However, 25% of pigs tested were infested with trichinosis. People working on these farms and the population eating the pigs were also found to be positive for infestation of this parasite. The primary symptom of this infection included muscle pain, headaches, fever, swelling of extremities. These are all nonspecific symptoms that do not necessarily indicate any one disease, although it may explain why the trichinosis had not been diagnosed in Bolivia for several years. It is a strong circumstantial evidence that people were becoming ill because of the pork. So they weren't diagnosing cases of trichinosis. They weren't testing for it. But until many years later, they realized a huge number of their population actually had it. And these are people who lived near, worked on, and ate the pigs that were also contaminated with trichinosis. In Japan, the source of these infections have been traced to the flesh of pigs, bears, horses, raccoons, and foxes. Note, all of these animals are listed in scripture as unclean. Swine are actually good incubators of toxic parasites and viruses, although the animal doesn't appear to be ill at all while carrying these diseases. A a scientist at the University of Gießen's Institute for Virology in Germany showed in a study of worldwide influenza epidemics that pigs are the one animal that can serve as a mixing vessel for new influenza viruses that can seriously threaten people's health. If a pig is exposed to humans' DNA virus and a bird's virus, the pig can mix the two develop a new DNA virus that is often extremely dangerous for people. These viruses have already caused worldwide pandemics, epidemics, and destruction. I I believe that they're saying that pigs do gain-of-function research without even knowing it. So in a 1942 yearbook of agriculture reported that 50 diseases found in pigs and that many of these diseases were passed on to humans by eating their flesh. So it's, you know, honestly, it's, um, it's just concerning, um, even just handling, um, swine, you know, being a farmer has its, uh, element of risk as well. Um, it's little wonder that God would inspire his prophet to include eating pork among something that was disobedient. Well, we're going to take um, a quick break and come back and continue our discussion on what the Bible says about healthy living. Uh, I want to remind you that all of the Looking for Healing shows go to podcast, typically a day or two after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcast, and oh, many more. Be sure to subscribe, and you can rate the show for us on Apple Podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio.
For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to Looking for Healing Talk Radio on America Out Loud. I'm your host, Dr. Jana Schmidt, naturopath and herbalist. I want to thank one of our sponsors, Global Healing. Simply the finest, most potent, most effective natural medicines in the world today. You can definitely feel the difference love and integrity makes in making medicine. You can discover the medicine that God intended for us all. You can go to americaoutloud.shop, enter the promo code OUTLOUD for special discounts. You can also get wonderful deals from all of our America Out Loud sponsors. And just a side note, something um, exciting that's coming. I'm working with Dr. Ed Group at Global Healing to produce a product that is from our organic bee pollen and honey. He's going to supercharge it. It's going to be a supercharged glucose oxidase. So look for that coming. We're super excited. Why do foods approved by God in the Old Testament suit us so well scientifically? And we enjoyed them so much. I feel like this is, I'll share with you why, why I think this is the case. And this is also Dr. Rex Russell's um, opinions too. So living proteins, they contain 22 amino acids. And so we know that the body itself produces only 14 of them. So the remaining eight that are equally essential for healthy living must be eaten. Amino acids are the building blocks for proteins, which include hormones, structural proteins, enzymes. These specific entities are actually necessary for life. So each enzyme promotes a particular chemical process in the living cell. The human body contains millions of precisely designed enzymes. The sequence of those 22 amino acids and the length of the amino acid chain determine the function of the particular protein. Are you with me? Okay. Living proteins vary in length from 23 specifically sequenced amino acids in the hormones to several hundred thousand amino acids like in hemoglobin. Uh, The probability that amino acids would get together in the right sequence purely by chance is not existent. It doesn't happen. The nucleus of each cell contains a very complex DNA which are coded with the information to place those amino acids in the perfect order. This is God's amazing design. Living proteins are formed by DNA in the cells. For DNA to reproduce or function, the full complement of proteins is necessary, all 22. That means the very first cells required fully developed systems of protein and DNA. The design had to be complete from the very beginning. Time, regardless of how long, would have been detrimental to chance development because proteins are destroyed by exposure to heat and oxygen. Proteins would be destroyed and then not functional. So to me, this is obvious. Um, 
uh, existence of how God created life. And I just thought it was just so amazing to share that we have to ingest certain foods that God gave us in order for our cells to function. It just points to that careful and beautiful design from our designer, our God. And we have the instructions on how to do it. And who better to advise us, right? Our actual creator. Well, there are some unknown food factors that I want to address. Actually, there's thousands of unknown factors that exist in food. And I'll give one example. You may remember years ago, there was um, Dr. Dennis Burkett. He, um, he was a missionary surgeon in Africa, and he brought fiber to the world's attention in a big way. At that time, when fiber was being removed from the diet of many people, they were suffering from ulcers, hemorrhoids, colitis, and Dr. Burkett noticed that he rarely had to operate on natives who ate their traditional high-fiber diet. On the other hand, the British population in his area who ate refined food were frequently brought to surgery and were afflicted with all kinds of these top 10 diseases. So the Africans who attended the school in England soon were needing surgery for appendicitis, hemorrhoids, ulcers, gallstones, because obviously they were eating the foods that were more refined. They were, yeah, eating these processed foods without fiber. So I feel like there are many, many factors in the natural foods that help us and the phytochemicals and the antioxidants that God has put there for us. Some of my, my favorites, I'll just note that I've learned over the years is something like um, sulforaphane found in cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, kale, and Sprouts. Sprouts are actually my favorite source of sulforaphane, and these help the body protect um, protect the body against toxins, help purge the body of toxins, and protect the body against cancerous cells. So something as, sim- as simple as fresh fresh kale, fresh broccoli, fresh sprouts can really help the body stay well and and be protected. I think it's important to talk for a moment about bread, another one of our amazing God-given foods, wheat, that has been altered and changed to the point where it's causing damage and harm to people. So this is an example of God-given food, which our bodies are designed to eat, but now people are having difficulty with it. So let's, let's, let's talk about it for a moment. Um, the baking industry has removed more than 20 vitamins and minerals in its attempt to increase storage life of wheat on the shelf. If you've ever made homemade bread, you know it goes bad pretty quickly. You see the breads in the store, it doesn't go bad so quickly, and this is why. But removing those vitamins and minerals actually causes problems. Now it's not, we're not digesting it the way it's intended for us to be in our body. So it does store longer, but look at the expense. The expense is at our health. We've lost those layers of nutrients and enzymes that are God-given to balance what allows us to thrive and digest it properly. Okay, not to mention gluten. This is a big deal. So over-hybridizing, or hybridizing at all, I don't really agree with any of that, um, of wheat has created a gluten imbalance. A thousand years ago, they didn't have widespread difficulty with gluten intolerance. hundred years ago, they didn't have trouble with this. Even, even simply 
30 or 40 years ago, we rarely heard about gluten intolerance or celiac disease. So what's happened? So farming of wheat has undergone a lot of processes. They've done these genetic hybridization. This isn't a genetically modified, but it is a hybridization to make the wheat actually grow bigger, grow faster, um, be more drought resistant, etc. And over the process of doing that, they have created an imbalance in gluten. So imagine gluten in two parts, A and B, and they should be perfectly balanced, even. But hybridization and processing actually creates an imbalance in the gluten. And so A becomes very high and B is low. So everyone's going to have some challenges, right? We're going to have some challenges um, with digesting that. Not to mention, and this is a side note, but the glyphosates that are being sprayed on much of the wheat in order to dry it and process it cause tremendous tremendous um, problems in our health and uh, to our mitochondria of our cell and that's a whole nother show but I will give you some good news it's kind of bad news to hear all this about uh, about our wheat but the good news is there is still a wonderful wheat that's produced uh, flour that's produced from the grains of an ancient species that has not been hybridized at all for thousands of years it was originally domesticated in the fertile crescent unlike modern wheat it's called einkorn it has a single grain on each stem and if you've ever seen wheat there's usually several on a stem this is um a smaller um it's it's incredible it's hardy and it thrives in the toughest environments it didn't even need hybridization i'm not sure why they people tried to do that but i often say when I make bread or anything from this amazing, amazing grain, that it's our Jesus bread. It's our it's our bread of biblical times. And you hear stories, ancient days where people would just eat bread and it would last them all day till they had their, you know, evening meal. And can you imagine doing that now? We would be so hungry with modern bread if that's all we had for breakfast. But because this grain has not been hybridized for thousands of years, it has remarkable nutritive properties. More protein than, say, oats. Its high lutein content is incredible. It actually gives it this really lovely yellow color when you're working with it. I, I have a blog on my website, Jana's All Natural. If you go to blog, look at einkorn flour, E-I-N-K-O-R-N, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an Italian word for single grain. It's beautiful. The company I love that has really brought this back in full force is Jovial, J-O-V-I-A-L, and they have a great website. I highly recommend go on there. Their cookbook is the best, and it's not just a cookbook. It's um, a science book. It's a history book. It's a personal interest story, and it gives great, easy, easy recipes, and it is so delicious. My family loves this bread. Everyone loves this bread. And here's the best. My, the people that come to me and, and my friends that have had issues with gluten um, and still do on occasion or celiacs can eat this without incident. 
So we have friends come over and like, oh, are those your cookies made with einkorn flour? I'm like, yes. Or is that your pasta made with einkorn flour? Yes. And they can eat it and they they report having no ill effects, nothing at all. It is the way God created this wheat that makes all the difference. So on my website, you'll find out what are the benefits of using einkorn. Other than just being absolutely delicious, it offers other health benefits too. And this is a rabbit trail because I feel very strongly about this. It is organically grown, tested for glyphosate. So there's none of that mess in there. They don't process it with it. Um, And it's balanced and very low gluten makes it so easy to digest. And it's uh, it's interesting. It only has two sets of chromosomes, and that shows that it's never been hybridized. It lacks um, the gluten proteins that trigger those gluten sensitivity. Uh, it's rich in carotenoids and the, uh, B vitamins, trace minerals that modern wheat doesn't have. Uh, again, the texture is lovely. It's this yellow color, and you can use it any way that you would normally use flour. Never bleached, never brominated or enriched. All the vitamins and minerals are in it. They didn't take any of it out. Uh, I highly, highly recommend that you go on my website, Jana's All Natural, and read about it. And even more so, I recommend you checking out Jovial, J-O-V-I-A-L. We have time to discuss one more aspect of our food, and I'm going to talk a little bit about dairy milk specifically and uh, then we will we will continue this conversation next week with talks of sugar or water what the bible says about grains legumes uh, and so much more but dairy i'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it but i am going to just give you some facts um, that cow's milk is generally what uh, is being sold in, in different various forms ice cream cheese etc um is actually designed to raise a 65-pound calf to a 75-pound cow. So there are natural growth hormones in cow's milk that from the mother for the baby cow to help it grow. So there are growth hormones and often added synthetic hormones to make the cow continue to lactate and can cause numerous problems in people. So the synthetic hormones, as well as just the normal growth hormones, can be a problem. So uh, here's, here's one of the reasons why. After the age of three, our bodies no longer make an enzyme needed to digest milk. It's designed that way. Nursing babies need to be able to digest milk. Generally, babies are not nursing after the age of three. So milk is good for a growing body, but I'm talking about the mother's milk, not the milk of another animal throughout our whole life. And I do know our culture does push, perpetuate, advertise all kinds of things, including when I was a kid, the the term or the slogan, milk does a body good. I agree, but I think it's reserved for nursing, for nursing babies. So I will just share this with you. There, there are many camps on this. There are people that say um, goat's milk needs, you know, ingest ghost goat's milk or um, ingest organic milk or don't eat milk after infancy. There's a there's a lot of uh, camps on this. So mine is that we can't digest it without a digestive enzyme, and there are growth hormones in it. And if you're not growing anymore and you're ingesting growth hormones, you 
don't be surprised if you grow something, a tumor, a, a cyst, a something. So um, I would say moderation and definitely take a digestive enzyme that has the enzyme that digests dairy, and it's called lactase. So that that's my stance on it, but I encourage you to do your research on it as well. But it does say in the Bible that, you know, the land of milk and honey, but in the way I read it is milk to grow your children. Um, so, and your, and your baby and, and then the milk to grow the little animals, right? From the mommy animals. Uh, Jill, I just want you to be aware of that. And it has been scientifically determined that cancer enlarge is, um, in large part is fueled by dairy and sugars. And I do know this, that men who eat high amounts of yogurt and other dairy products have 52% higher risk of prostate cancer and developing extra tissue in their chest. It contributes to asthma and sinus issues. So my, again, milk is um, designed to induce growth. And if you don't have the enzyme to break it down, it's going to, it's going to leave you with some issues. So uh, skin issues, um, phlegm. I don't know if you've ever, you know, had anything with milk in it and suddenly you're very phlegmy. This is, this is part of it because our body's having trouble breaking it down. But again, the enzyme lactase can definitely help with that. And I do um, say moderation uh, because we can't digest it very well. I do want to make a note about um, mother's milk because that falls into just a totally different category. I'm a huge proponent of mothers nursing their babies the mother's milk is designed in perfect caloric content, amino acid concentration, enzyme concentration. Uh, everything is just perfectly designed to meet the developing infant's needs much better than any formula or any other mammal's milk for, for our human babies. It, the balance is so dramatic it's so incredible for the infants needed the slightest change in the infant and the mother's milk changes as well our most brilliant neonatalists using the best computers could not design a better balanced product than god-given natural breast milk so we're going to wrap it up and next week i will continue talking about what the bible says about healthy living and uh, Im important input by Dr. Rex Russell, MD, and uh, some things that I have found in my research and life as a naturopath, uh, I will share with you. We're going to talk about legumes. There's a lot of questions about beans and more grains, sugar, water, fiber, fruits and vegetables, and more. Remember to listen to Looking for Healing Talk Radio at 11 a.m. Monday through Friday, a sincere thank you for joining me today. I do look forward to each day with you uh, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. on America Out Loud Radio, where we continue to learn and grow in the realm of natural health. This is Dr. Jana Schmidt wishing you God's blessings in knowledge, wisdom, and abundant health. <music>